0: O God, for as much as without you we are not able to please you, grant that the working of your mercy may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, right now, we ask that you would illuminate by the power of your Holy Spirit, this word that we have heard. Uh, Give us uh, understanding to know what it means and give us the will to put it into practice. And Father, we pray this boldly uh, and confidently uh, because Jesus lives. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, this morning, uh, I ran the bridge to Brisbane 10 kilometer running race. Yeah, that's worth that <laughs> year. Uh, Tara ran it as well. Shout out to Tara. Yes. She she sent me a message before I left to come to church. Uh, she said, Oh, are you wearing your medal? And my, I had my medal nowhere near me at the time. like, Yeah. And she walks into church with a medal around her neck. She's still got it around her neck. So, anyway, we got medals. So, there you go. Um, we, you basically pay for the medal uh i was hoping when we went and got our race packs on the friday that you get the medal and they're like of course they're not going to give you the medal you got to finish the race uh to get the medal so there we go uh thanks for those who've encouraged uh, uh me on that particular journey it's been um it's been actually a great physical and mental challenge over the last three to four months kind of going from not being able to run maybe two kilometers to being able to run 10 kilometers uh, I thought, though, I wasn't going to be running this morning um, because on Wednesday morning, going for a final run, it was before morning, uh, Common Prayer, uh, down by the Kedron Brook here in Stafford, and I, I pulled up short. I'm like, oh, I'm a hammy. Like, I'm old enough that the hammy can kind of go like that. And I'm limping for the rest of the, uh, rest of the run uh, back, to, back to the church here, back to the car. Um, and I went to the physio and the physio said, look, I don't think you've torn it. You've, you've, you've strained it. I think you'll be able to run. And I'm, I said to him on Wednesday when he, when, he, when he saw me, I'm like, there's no way I can run. But Thursday got a little bit better. Friday got even more better. Uh, and, and I ran this morning. Uh, and so congratulations, hamstring, we made it. Uh, but while running the uh, Bridge to Brisbane, it's, it's hard not to get a little bit uh, philosophical, right? You're kind of there um, listening to Nikki Webster as you run along. And, and kind of as I'm running, I'm starting to think of all these running anecdotes. And oh, I could even drop this in my sermon tonight. Maybe I, could, maybe I could have a run because I'm a runner now. Maybe I could have a running tip every week at church. Uh, and, and so I'm there kind of formulating, what will I say? And I'm like, well, you know, my goal in this race is I'm just going to keep running. You know, hashtag just keep running. And so I'll share that with church this afternoon. But then kind of in the eighth kilometre, there's like this hill as you kind of come, I don't know where it was, coming out of the Breakfast Creek uh, under the underpass. Uh, and I had to walk for about 750 metres. I'm like, well, there goes that illustration. I can't just say just keep running. And so, Okay. I couldn't keep running I got knocked over you know but I got back up and I pressed on and I finished the race even though I did a bit of walking I finished the race and I'm thinking that's biblical Uh, I can share that there's plenty of Bible verses and yet here's the thing with the book of 1 Thessalonians our new series the series is called press on and running is actually a decent metaphor as you look at some of the encouragements that the Apostle Paul has in this book Kind of the whole point of this particular series as we work our way through it over these next couple of months is press on as a christian keep going as a christian keep running the race set before you keep trusting jesus the faith that you've begun the 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 life that you've begun as you put your trust hey there's a photo up on the screen there we go look at that we we can take that off again now we're back to one thessalonians there we go good on you sam Uh, the faith that you've begun you put your trust in jesus now keep going press on continue the race you know the apostle paul who wrote this particular letter he's writing to christians in thessalonica thessalonica even to this day is the second largest city in greece and this is most likely the earliest letter that we have from the apostle paul that he wrote to the churches uh, in those early days of the church last week if you were here you would have heard a message on one thessalonians chapter one which was all about pressing on in faith we read in chapter one about their faith their love, and their hope. Uh, we, 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 We learnt about how their faith went viral, the message of their conversion to Christ spread throughout the whole region. And we really focused in, in the last two verses, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1, of the model of their conversion as they turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for Jesus, the Son who rescues us. Pressing on in faith is what we looked at in chapter 1. Now, by way of context, if you haven't looked it up yet, Acts chapter 17, verse 1 to 10, uh, we get the specific context of Paul when he took the gospel on one of his missionary journeys to Thessalonica. And you'd remember that he actually got run out of town. He went into the, the synagogues for three Sabbaths, but not long after that, was driven out of town and kind of ducked away at nighttime. And yet here's the thing, Paul copped criticism because of running away from this particular church. And you even get little hints of it in his writing of perhaps some of the criticism that was leveled at him for running away in the night from that church. Did he leave too soon? Did he leave on a whim? And so in many senses, 1 Thessalonians chapter two, I think we actually get something of a defense of his ministry and his time among them. Let me give you a quote from John Stott that even gives a little bit of this context. Um, of the criticism that he received. John Stott said this, the brief mission in Thessalonica had been brought to an enormous end. The public riot and the legal charges against the missionaries were so serious that they were persuaded to make a humiliating night flight from the city. Paul's critics took full advantage of his sudden disappearance. In order to undermine his authority and his gospel, they determined to discredit him. So they launched a malicious smear campaign. By studying Paul's self-defense, it is possible for us to reconstruct their slanders. He ran away, they sneered, uh, and hasn't been seen or heard of since. Obviously he's insincere, impelled by the basest motives. He's just one more of those phony teachers who tramp up and down the Ignatian way. In a word, he's a charlatan. He's in his job only for what he can get out of it in terms of sex, money, prestige or power. So when opposition arose and he found himself in personal danger, he took to his heels and ran. He doesn't care about you Thessalonian disciples of his. He has abandoned you. He's much more concerned about his own skin than your welfare. It's kind of the things that John Stott suggests as you kind of piece together some of the things that Paul interacts with, even particularly here in chapter 2, the criticism and the smear campaign that's being put out against Paul for leaving Thessalonica. And so what we'll see in this chapter is Paul defending his ministry among them. And we'll learn what he did and we'll learn how he did it. We'll learn what he did in his ministry, but we'll also learn how he went about his ministry. Now, there's kind of, um, keep out uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, but you'll be able to see that there's kind of four metaphors that Paul uses... Uh, in this chapter to describe the 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 how and the what and the how of his ministry among them just have a look at it with me um, verse 1 to verse 4 he, he, he's a committed steward of the gospel verse 5 to verse 8 he's a like a caring mother verse 9 to verse 12 he's like a constant father uh, sorry a consistent father and then from verse 13 to verse 16 he's a courageous herald a steward, a mother, a father, a herald. Kind of these four metaphors and images of what it looked like for him to minister among them. What we're going to do for the next little while is I'm going to actually combine them. We're going to look at the first and the fourth, so verse 1 to 4 and verse 13 to 16 together. Uh, and then we're going to look at the, the two middle ones from verse 5 to verse 12 uh, together as well. Uh, and as we look at them, what we're going to see is, is the what and the how of Paul's gospel ministry. Now it's important just to just to make that point that first and foremost this is Paul's gospel ministry. This is the Apostle Paul. And so heads up, none of us are Capital A apostles. There's, none of us here are Capital A apostles. But uh, there are some principles that I think can actually help us to think through the shape of gospel ministry today. Um, Again, you don't need to be a pastor of a church, you don't need to be a specific leader, but what does it look like for the church, for the people of God to press on in ministry, to press on in gospel ministry. Uh, And so what what we will see as we kind of dig into these things that Paul unpacks is we're going to see the, the what we are doing in gospel ministry and how we are to go about it. You got where we're heading? It's all about pressing on in ministry. And the question I want us to consider as we walk walk through these uh, things in this chapter is what are our priorities in gospel ministry? Got the question? What are our priorities in gospel ministry? Um, and, And heads up straight away, the twin priorities, I think, in gospel ministry, and we'll see this in the first point and then in the second point, is first, it's about the word of God, and second, it's about the people of God two priorities and in particular uh the word of god and the people of god who's ready for the first one no one that's the lamest reply hey we we've at least got some hands we've got some cheers great so what are our priorities in gospel ministry well first number one is to protect and proclaim the word of god number one protect and proclaim the word of god this is the what i guess of Paul's ministry among them this is what he did and there's kind of two arms to what he did there's a protecting of the word of God and of his gospel ministry but there's also a proclamation let it go let it spread have a look at the first one where we see how he protected the gospel that had been entrusted to him 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 He says, for you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we'd already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Kind of this, this first idea, you've obviously got proclamation in those verses as well, but I want to focus in on kind of this being entrusted with. Uh, A protector of the Word of God kind of entrusted by God in this ministry to protect this word to keep it sacred to keep it safe to not go about gospel ministry uh, for what he can gain uh, for what we can gain uh, but to please God not to please people to please God who tests our hearts the verse there uh, verse 4 but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel you know here's the big principle of this first point of protecting the Word of God is being entrusted with it looking after it that's kind of the concept of uh, of being entrusted with something we, we look after the Word of God we look after the message of Christ we, we protect it from error we protect it from false motive Paul says um, what is the gospel Uh, well a sentence we've used a little bit uh, here at Christ our refuge a 50 word sentence that uh, I've kind of come up with to think through how would we summarize the gospel is this the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners and restores all things through the perfect life sacrificial death and triumphant resurrection of King Jesus who lives and reigns with the Father and the Spirit one God And will one day come to judge the living and the dead Paul is entrusted with the gospel of how God saves sinners Paul is entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ the one who has lived the perfect life that we failed to live has died a sacrificial death on the cross in our place and for our sin and who has triumphantly been raised again as the king of the universe the lord of lords the king of kings the one who currently rules and reigns and will one day return to judge the living and the dead Paul in his ministry is entrusted with this gospel. There's so much more than 50 words you could say about the gospel. And yet Paul is is entrusted with this word of God, this gospel of Jesus Christ. And part of his ministry, part of the what that he had among them was protecting that word, holding on to it, keeping it true, keeping it pure in his ministry because he has been entrusted with the gospel he faithfully guards the gospel again we may not be the apostle paul we may not have the specific mission that he had in the world and yet we too have been entrusted with the gospel have we not and the call for all those who have come in the generation since the apostles and since the gospel spread after the resurrection and ascension of the lord jesus christ and the coming of the holy spirit is that we would faithfully guard the gospel is that we would protect it and keep it pure and keep coming back to the, the word that has been proclaimed. You know, one of the things we do, I think, is every three weeks in church, we, we, we recite the Nicene Creed together. It's a little bit old school, uh, some 1,500, 1,600 years old, a, a statement of what Christians have believed, a statement that does a, a brilliant job of summarising the the faith it's it's kind of an extended version of the apostles creed an even older statement that effectively summarizes the gospel uh uh, who god is who christ is who the spirit is and uh who, who they are and what they have done you know tools like creeds and apostles creed and the nicene creed are opportunities for us to stand with those who've gone before us to continue to stand in the the gospel that was entrusted to that first generation and continues to be entrusted to generations to come. Beware if someone in the 21st century moves away from the Apostles' Creed. Beware if someone in the 21st century claims to be a Christian leader and moves away from the Nicene Creed. Uh, They're kind of moving on and they're not protecting the gospel that perhaps they're supposed to protect in and through their ministry if they're no longer holding on to that word That was first proclaimed in the Gospels, in the New Testament letters, and has then been articulated in various ways throughout church history. Brothers and sisters, in our church and in our ministry, as we understand the Word of God as revealed in the Word of God, as we understand the Gospel, let us be a people who faithfully guard that Gospel, who protect that Gospel, who keep it pure in our midst, who are cautious of a new teaching, a new wind of teaching that is to come. And yet there's kind of two things that Paul does as part of point one here. He protects and proclaims the word of God. And so at one one level, he's this steward here who's been entrusted with the gospel in verse one to four. We clearly see that it's been proclaimed in the midst of adversity in verses one to four. But he unpacks that in even greater detail in verse 13 to verse 16. Uh, Have a look at it with me. He says, uh, verse 13... And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as, it, uh, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. We've already heard that in chapter one, haven't we? For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So always as to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. You know, there's this call to continue to be a herald of the gospel. To continue to be one who proclaims the word of god not as a word of man but as the word of god to continue amid uh, great suffering to continue to make that gospel known Uh, you know one of the things i'm struck by in scripture is the reality that the gospel has always spread in the context of persecution it's not just because Dave spends part of his week working for an organization that are on about persecuted Christians um, that, I, that I can see this. It's actually because it's in scripture. We see it, we've see we already seen it in 1 Thessalonians, but we see it here again that the, the, the word of God is to be proclaimed courageously, to be proclaimed boldly, that no matter the cost, we would trust Jesus, that no matter the cost, we would press on in the ministry of making the word of God fully known. Of making the message of Christ in his life his death and his resurrection known to a world that hates it to a world that is opposed to him you see the Apostle Paul as we can see in verse 1 to 4 and in verse 13 to 16 he protects the the gospel the Word of God but proclaims it he makes it known he's bold in proclaiming God's Word would we be a church that is characterized by a boldness in proclaiming God's word by being unashamed of the timeless message of the Lord Jesus Christ that we would be unashamed to to make that gospel known to make that good news known now that may not be that you particularly feel um, gifted as an evangelist that that's your one thing that you do and are, are competent and confident in But I hope and trust that together, as a church, we would be those who are unashamed to be bold in the proclamation of the word of God. That certainly that would happen from the front. Uh, That certainly that would happen um, through leaders within our church. But that all of us, as we have opportunity, will make the most of the moments that God gives us to make the gospel known. That may not be a, a fully articulated sermon Uh, That might be uh, in the context of a relationship that you're chipping away at that you make the most of an opportunity to say something of what you believe in and through the gospel something of who Jesus is of why Jesus came and why he's worth following why he's worth knowing you see Paul the what of his gospel ministry is protecting and proclaiming the Word of God and there's a there's a there's a danger in um in, in over one or the other if we just want to be about protecting the the word of god and protecting the gospel and kind of keeping it pure we can end up in these stupid little theological camps where all we do is debate with one another just to make sure we're getting this right and getting that right and and we, we're kind of constantly talking about the word and the pure gospel and, and we, we we want to do that but we have got to be a people who are proclaiming that word it's a word that must be unleashed upon the world. It's a word that was unleashed upon the world, which is why we have heard the gospel. It's because those that have gone before us have not only protected what it is that we believe, but have been bold in proclaiming God's word. The apostle Paul wants the believers in Thessalonica to know that this is the what of his ministry among them. He's been entrusted with the gospel. And in the face of great conflict and adversity and even persecution, he continues to proclaim that message. May we likewise uh, be a church and be a people that hold firmly to the Word of God and the priority of the Word of God, protecting and proclaiming it together. There's the first thing. Number one, protect and proclaim the Word of God. The second priority uh, that we see in this passage from Paul in his ministry with incredible principles for us to glean as well is number two tender and tough with the people of god remember the two priorities the word of god and the people of god Uh, here we have the priority of the people of god and this is his how this is his mode of operation as he works in and amongst this church as he looks back on his ministry short ministry that he had with them and that's fairly comprehensive as we see this tender side and this tough side to the apostle paul now we're going to kind of focus in there from uh, about verse 5 to verse 12 uh, again we're going to kind of look at uh, what it says about the caring mother uh, but also what it says about the consistent father if you haven't worked it out yet one of them Is a little bit tender, and the other is a little bit more tough. And look, this may be a little bit controversial, um, but mums and dads are different. That I think that's probably controversial for me to say that. But mums and dads are different. Um, I think there is built into how God has made us. Um, that that mums and dads are different. There's a complementarity uh, to how mums and dads are to relate to one another and how mums and dads are to relate to kids. And and there's different strengths and there's different weaknesses. Now, there's generalizations that can be made that are generally true, not always true. And there's there's perhaps uh, mothers who can be a bit tougher uh, and there's fathers who can be a bit more tender. So it's not that there's an exclusivity to every single particular character trait, um, and look, just as a quick caveat, even as I talk about mothers and fathers, um, that, that actually might be a, a raw nerve. Uh, and maybe you haven't witnessed a good mother. Maybe you haven't witnessed a good father and, uh, and, and, and a, a, a mother or a father who were absent, a mother or a father who were neglectful, whatever it might well be. And so need to put that in there as a caveat. But what I love in these verses is how the Apostle Paul actually describes his ministry in a motherly type way. And so i think what's even really helpful about that is we actually don't want to work too hard to draw too much of a line between uh, the the motherly characteristics and the fatherly characteristics because paul actually wants to claim both of them there's kind of the balance of this ministry that he has amongst the people of god he comes with the the caring gentle tender mother but there's a a firmness and a consistency and a toughness that is a bit more fatherly in the way that he he's only there for a month and yet this is kind of how he's able to describe in only a month the ministry that he had among them let's have a look at the text again um let's look at the the the, the tender side um, with the mother we'll pick it up where'd we where we go First, verse five for we never came with words of flattery as you know nor with a pretext for greed god is witness nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But look at this, verse 7. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you. What a phrase. We were ready to share with you the, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you've become very dear to us. Those beautiful words isn't it this is the Apostle Paul saying that he and his male missionary counterparts as he begins at the, at the start Paul Silvanus and Timothy is chapter 1 verse 1 he says we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children he knows this is a people who have only just heard the gospel when he was there and they've turned their backs on their idols They've, been, they've turned to the living and true God. They're now characterized by a, a, as a people who are waiting and trusting in Jesus, whose lives are consumed no longer by the idols of their hearts and the idols that they've turned from, but they're now on about Jesus. And yet there's this recognition that they're new converts, they're new believers. There's a gentleness, there's a tenderness that Paul is able to look to the nursing mother. Uh, and see uh, the, the way that the nursing mother treats her little one uh, is the way that he has approached them with a tenderness, with a kindness, and with a compassion. I love verse 8. Um, such an incredible verse. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you'd become very dear to us um uh, my background for many years was working in youth ministry and in christian camping and um and running youth group camps and all that type of stuff and i used to regularly use this verse before we'd go away on a a camp for a week um to actually kind of say um to a bunch of leaders um that this i think regularly happens it doesn't take long but in the context of a christian camp uh in the context of a, a a um intense period of community amongst christians um, there's, there's the ability to actually become really affectionate for the people they're doing ministry to. There's a given, right? He says, um, we shared with you not only the gospel. Um, that's a given. That's what gospel ministry is all about. That's what the church is all about. That's what he is all about. But also our own selves, because you become very dear to us. There's a giving of the gospel, which gives life, but giving of his life as he presents the gospel to them. Uh, And again, this is that picture of um, the affection and the tenderness and the kindness uh, of his ministry among them um, that he takes straight from the character of the mother. Isn't it a beautiful picture? Um, I think we often think of the Apostle Paul as a pretty tough guy, uh, and yet this isn't the only moment. Uh, Across all of his letters, you get these incredible tender moments and this incredible love and affection that he has For those that he has ministered to who like like a like a mother nursing a newborn baby building them up caring for them in the early days of their life but he's also the consistent father uh, with a with a strong encouragement have a look at verse 9 he says for you remember brothers uh, and sisters our labor and toil we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory." There's something that a good dad can do that a good mum maybe sometimes isn't able to do. That was the case with my parents. My mum was the gentle, nurturing, caring. It continues to be gentle, nurturing, and caring. But when dad speaks, he was never a jerk. He was never ungodly. He never did anything wrong in the way that he kind of um, uh, cared for us and disciplined us. But you stopped and listened. When dad exhorts you, dad exhorts you. Uh, when, when, when dad says, no, no, you're not going to do that and you are going to do this, you kind of go, ah, I might take that on. Uh, even though mum might have just said it. <laughs> when dad says it, there, there's, a, there's a weightiness of a, of a father with his children. There's a consistent father. There's a present father. There's a father who exhorts, who encourages, who charges. And, and again, the context here is not ungodliness. He's, he's not a, a, an ungodly father in the way he's ministered among them. Like we were holy and righteous and blameless in our conduct toward you like there's a a godliness and even the reason why he's tough a little bit tough a little bit stronger in his urging and charging is there's a purpose there to walk in a manner worthy of god who calls you into his own kingdom and glory so it's it's not he's been a jerk in the way that he's treating his kids he's actually calling them to holiness to grow strong in the lord to be strong as followers of jesus i love this passage and i love that paul in his how of his gospel ministry amongst the people of god in thessalonica he is both a caring mother and a consistent father friends as we think about our ministry i think we need both i think we need to flex both arms at that point we want a tenderness But we also want a toughness but here's one reflection i think i have witnessed and seen and heard of too many examples of a harshness of kind of a fatherliness on steroids that i think moves beyond holiness that moves beyond walking in a manner worthy of the gospel of god I think there can be an overbearing strong arm from leaders in churches, an overbearing strong arm from from those calling for holy living when perhaps even sometimes there's a failure to show holy living in the life of the one who is ministering. In the ministry of Jesus, we see that the times when he's the toughest Is upon the religious Pharisees, is upon the self righteous. But for the sinner, for the one weighed down, for the one burdened, for the one suffering, for the one thirsty and hungering, he says, Come. I read Isaiah 55 on the bus on the way to the bridge to Brisbane this morning, my my Bible passage, and there's just this beautiful invitation to the thirsty to come and find free food to find free grace. In Jesus, we just have this beautiful invitation. In Jesus, we have a wonderful picture of a tender, kind, gracious, motherly savior. You know, as a church, Christ our refuge, um, we think that's a big deal. Uh, Our vision is to be a city of refuge within the city of Brisbane, where many people have found refuge, security, and hope in Christ. In Matthew 11 Jesus in his invitation to all who are weary and heavy laden come and find rest rest for your souls he says my heart is gentle and lowly toward you my burden is light my yoke is easy Jesus says come I hope and I pray that we as a church are kind of able to get the tender and tough thing right I don't want to just overemphasize the tender bit. Uh, there's an appropriate time and place for the, the tougher side um, if it's in the context of holiness and godliness as we show that in the context of relationship to one another. But what a beautiful picture of this second priority of tender and tough with the people of God. The question we began with was what are our. What, what are Paul's priorities in gospel ministry? What will our priorities be in gospel ministry? Well, we protect and proclaim the word of God. And we're tender and tough with the people of God. I hope and trust uh, and pray, I'm going to pray in just a moment, that, that God by his spirit would, would help us to get that right. That God by his spirit uh, would help us to be crystal clear on what the gospel is that we'd safeguard that which has been entrusted to us that we protect the word of god but that we would also be unashamed to be boldly proclaiming the word of god no matter the cost in this world but likewise we'd be we'd be tender with those who have come to know christ with those who need to drink those who need uh, to come to christ but that we'd be tough as appropriate like that father exhorting and charging his children why don't we pray together to that end our gracious god uh, and loving heavenly father we are so thankful for the way that you have given us your word Um, and father as those that have been given your word uh, from one generation to the next uh, lord may we be a people who continue to stand firm protecting it uh, continue to hold fast um, to the pure word uh, to the gospel of christ and his life and his death and his resurrection and father we also ask that you'd give us boldness that you'd fill us with the holy spirit uh that as a church we, w- we would make much of jesus that we'd make the word of god fully known and father we we ask that um yeah your spirit would give us wisdom to um, know when to be tough and when to be tender Um, that we would be a church, we would be a a place of refuge. Lord, we know Jesus is our place of refuge. We know Jesus is our place of rest. Uh, But Father, may we as a church uh, have much wisdom um, uh, as we lead, um, as we grow, uh, as we continue to minister the word of God to the people of God. Would your spirit uh, enable enable us to do that in a way that honors you? Uh, Father, thank you for the humility of Paul as he unpacks these things to the church in Thessalonica. Thanks for the things that we can learn from this passage. And Father, may you help us to press on in the ministry that you have before us. May you um, empower us um, to to make much of Christ in this city and indeed this world. Uh, And Father, we pray for strength. uh, We pray for your blessing. And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.